0: Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Chapter 6. The Journey from Platform 9 and Three Quarters. Harry's last month with the Dursleys wasn't fun. True, Dudley was now so scared of Harry, he wouldn't stay in the same room. While well, Aunt Petunia and Uncle Ronan didn't shut Harry in his cupboard, force him to do anything, or Shaha him. In fact, they didn't speak to him at all. Half terrified, half furious, they acted as though any chair with Harry in it were empty. Although this was an improvement in many ways, it did become a bit depressing after a while. Harry kept to his room. With his new owl for company, he had decided to call her Hedwig, a name he had found in the history of magic. His school books were very interesting, he lay on his bed reading late into the night. Hedwig Whooping in and out of the open windows as she pleased. It was lucky that Aunt Petunia didn't come in to vacuum any more because Hedwick kept bringing back dead mice. Every night before he went to sleep, Harry ticked off another day on a piece of paper he had pinned to the wall, counting down to September the first. On the last day of August, he thought he had better speak with his aunt and uncle about getting to King's Cross station the next day. So he went down to the living room, where they were watching a quiz show on the television. He cleared his throat to let them know he was there. Dudley screamed and ran from the room. Er, Uncle ronan Uncle ronan grunted to show he was listening. Er I need to be at King's at King's Cross tomorrow, to go, to go to Hogwarts, Uncle Ronan grunted again. Would it be all right if you gave me a lift? Grunt. Harry supposed this one meant yes. Thank you. He was about to go back upstairs when Uncle Ronan actually spoke. Funny way to get to a wizard school, the train, magic carpets, all got punctures, have they? Harry didn't say anything. "'Where is the school, anyway?' "'I don't know,' said Harry, realizing for the first time. "'He pulled up the ticket Hagrid had given him out of his pocket. "'I just take the train from Platform 9 and 3 quarters at 11 o'clock,' he read. "'His aunt and uncle stared. "'Platform what?' Nine and 3 quarters. "'Don't talk rubbish.' said Uncle Ronan. There's no platform nine and three quarters. It's on my ticket. Barking, said Uncle Ronan. Howling mad, the lot of them. You'll see. You just wait, all right. We'll take it to King's Cross. We're going up to London tomorrow anyway. I wouldn't bother. Why are you going to London? Harry asked, trying to keep things friendly. Taking Deadly to the hospital, growled Uncle Ronan. Got to have that ruddy tail removed before he goes to smeltings. Harry woke at five o'clock in the next morning and was too excited and nervous to go back to sleep. He got up and pulled on his jeans. Because he didn't want to walk into the station in his wizard's robes, he changed on the train. He checked his Hogwarts list yet again to make sure he had everything he needed. He saw that Hedwig was shut safely in her cage, then paced the room waiting for the Dursleys to get up. Two hours later, Harry's huge, heavy trunk had been loaded into the Dursleys' car. Aunt Petunia had talked Dudley into sitting next to Harry, and they had set off. They reached King Cross at half past ten. Uncle Ronan dumped Harry's trunk into a cart and wheeled it into the station for him. Harry thought this was strangely kind until Uncle Vernon stopped dead facing the platforms with a nasty grin on his face. Well, there you are, boy. Platforms nine, platform ten. Your platform should be somewhere in the middle, but they don't seem to have built it yet, do they? He was quite right, of course. There was a big plastic number nine over one platform, and a big plastic number ten onto the one next to it and there in the middle there was nothing at all have a good time said uncle ronin with, with an even nastier smile he left without another world harry turned and saw the dursleys drive away all three of them were laughing harry's mouth went rather dry what on earth was he going to do he was starting to act, attract lots of funny looks because of the headwig. He'd have to ask someone. He stopped a passing guard, but didn't dare to mention platform nine and three quarters. The guard had never heard of Hogwarts, and when Harry couldn't even tell him what part of the country he was in, he started to get annoyed, as though Harry was being stupid on purpose. Getting desperate. Harry asked for a train that left on 11 o'clock, but the guard said there wasn't one. In the end, the guard strode away, muttering about time wasters. Harry was now trying very hard not to panic. According to the large clock over to the arrivals board, he had 10 minutes left to get onto the train to Hogwarts, and he had no idea how to do it. He was stranded in the middle of a station with a trunk he could hardly lift, and a pocket full of wizard money and a large owl. Hagrid must have forgotten to tell him something. You had to do, like tapping the third brake on the left into the and di- to get into Diagon Alley. He wondered if he should get out his wand and tap and start tapping the ticket inspector's stand between. Platforms nine and ten, at that moment, at that very moment, a group of people passed just behind him, and he caught a few years a few words of what they were saying, packed with muggles, of course, Harry swung around the speaker was a plump woman who had been talking to four boys, all with flaming red hair, each of them was pushing a trunk like Harry's in front of them, and they had an owl. Heart hammering, Harry pushed his cart after them. They stopped, and so did he, just near enough to hear what they were saying. Now, what's the platform number, dear, said the boy's mother? Nine and three quarters, piped up a little small girl, also red-headed, who was holding her hand. Mom, can't I go? You're not old enough, Ginny. Now be quiet. All right, Percy, you go first. What looked like the eldest boy marched toward the platforms 9 and 10. Harry watched, careful, not to blink in case he missed it. But just as the boy reached the dividing barrier between the two platforms, the large crowd of tourists came swarming in front of him, and by the time the last backpack had cleared away, The boy had vanished. Fred, you next? The plump woman said. I'm not Fred, I'm George, said the boy. Honestly, woman, you call yourself mother, can't tell I'm George? Sorry, George, dear. Only joking, I'm Fred, said the boy, and off he went. His twin twin called after him to hurry up, and he must have done so because a second later he was gone. How had he done it? Now the third brother was walking briskly down the barrier. He was almost there, and then, quite suddenly, he wasn't anywhere. There was nothing else for it. "Excuse me," said Harry to the plump woman. "Hello, dear," she said. first time at Hogwarts. Ron's new too." She pointed at the last and youngest of her sons. He was a tall, thin, gangling with fle- freckles, big hands and feet, and a long nose. Yes," said Harry. "The thing is, the thing is, I don't know how to, how to get onto the platform." She said kindly, and Harry nodded. "Not to worry," she said. "All you have to do is walk straight at the barrier between platforms nine and ten. Don't stop and don't be scared. You'll crash into it. And that's very important. Best to do it in a little bit of run if you're nervous. Go on now. Go on before Ron." Er, okay, said Harry. He pushed his trolley around and stared at the barrier. It looked very solid. He started to walk toward it. People just told him on their way to, the pl- to the platforms, nine and ten. Harry walked more quickly. He was going to smash right into the barrier, and then he'd be in trouble. Leaning forward onto his cart, he broke into a heavy run. The barrier was coming nearer and nearer. He wouldn't be able to stop. The cart was out of control. He was a foot away. He closed his eyes, ready for a crash. It didn't come. He kept on running. He opened his eyes. A scarlet steam engine was waiting next to a platform, packed with people. A sign overhead said Hogwarts Express, 11 o'clock. Harry looked behind him and saw a wrought iron arc arc Where the bearer had once been, with the words platform nine and three quarters on it, he had done it. The smoke from the engine drifted over the heads of the chattering crowd, while cats of every color round here and there between their legs. Owls hooted to one another in a disgruntled sort of way over the babble and scraping of heavy trunks. The first few carriages were already packed with students some hanging out of the window to talk to their families, some fighting over seats. Harry pushed his cart off, down into the platform in search of an empty seat. He passed a round-faced boy who was saying, "Grand, I've lost my toad again. Oh, Neville, he heard the old woman sigh. A boy with dreadlocks was surrounded in a small crowd. Give it a look, Lee. Go on. The boy lifted the, lid of a, lifted the lid of a box in his arms, and the people around him streaked and yelled as something inside poked out a long, hairy head. Harry pressed on through the crowd until he found an empty compartment near the end of the train. He put heavy inside first, and then started to shove and heave his trunk toward the train door. He tried to lift it up the steps, but he could hardly raise one end, and twice he dropped it painfully on his foot. Want a hand? It was one of the red-haired twins he followed through the barrier. Yes, please, said Harry, Harry panted. Oh, Fred, come here and help. And the tw- with the twins' help, Harry's trunk was at last tucked away in the corner of the compartment. Thanks, said Harry, pushing his sweaty hair out of his eyes. What's that? said one of the twins suddenly, pointing at Harry's lightning scar. Blimey, said the other twin, are you? He is, said the first twin. Aren't you? he added to Harry. What? said Harry. Harry Potter. Oh, him, said Harry. I mean, yes, I am. The two boys cocked at him and Harry felt himself turning red. Then, to his relief, a voice came floating in through the, turn- the train's open door. Fred, George, are you there? Coming, With The last look at Harry, the twins hopped off the train. Harry sat down next to the window, where, half hidden, he could watch the red-haired family onto the platform and hear what they were saying. The mother had just taken out a handkerchief. Ron, you've got something on your nose. The youngest boy tried to jerk out of the way, but she grabbed him and began rubbing, rubbing the edge of his nose. Mom, go off, he wriggled free. Ah, it's called Ron, he has got something on his nosey, said one of the twins. Shut up, said one. Where's Percy? said their mother. He's coming now. The oldest boy was striding into sight. He had already changed into his billowing black Hogwarts roads. And Harry noticed a shiny red and gold badge on his chest with a letter P on it. Can't stay long, Mother, he said. I'm up front. The prefects have got two compartments to themselves. Oh, are you a perfect, Percy? said one of the twins with an air of great surprise. You should have said something. We had no idea. Hang on. I think I remember him saying something about it, said the other twin once. Or twice a minute, all summer. Oh, shut up, said Percy the prefect. How come Percy gets new robes anyway, said one of the twins. Because he's a perfect, said his said the mother fondly. All right, dear. Well, have a good term. Send me an owl when you get there. She kissed Percy on the cheek, and he left. Then she turned to the twins. Now you two, this year, you behave yourself. If I get one more owl telling me you've you've blown up a toilet or... Blown up a toilet? You've never blown up a toilet. Great idea, though. Thanks, Mum. It's not funny, and look after Ron. Don't worry. Ickle Ronikins is safe with us. Shut up, said Ron again. He was almost as tall as his twins already, and his nose was still pink where his mother has rubbed it. Hey, Mum. guess what? Guess who we just met on the train? Harry leaned back quickly so they, so, so they couldn't see him looking. You know that black-haired boy who was nearest in the station? You know who he is? Who? Harry Potter. Harry heard the girl's little girl's voice. Oh, Mum, can I go on the train and see him? Mum, oh, please. You've already seen him, Jenny. The poor boy isn't something you at uh, in the zoo. Is he really, Fred? How do you know? Ask him. Saw his scar. He's really there, like lightning. Poor dear, no matter no wonder he was alone. I wondered he was ever so polite. And when he asked how when he asked how to get onto the platform, never mind that. Do you think he remembered do you think he remembers what you know who looks like? Their mother suddenly became very stern. I forbid you to ask him, Fred. No, don't you dare as though he needs reminding of that on his first day at school. All right, keep your hair on, a visual sounded. Hurry up, said their mother, and the three boys clambered into this train. They leaned out the window for her to kiss them goodbye, and the younger sister began to cry. Don't, yeah, we'll send you loads of owls, and we'll send you a Hogwarts toilet seat. George! Only joking, ma'am. The train began to move. Harry saw the boy's mother waving, and their sister half laughing, half crying, trying to keep up with the train until it gathered too much speech, speed, and then she fell back and waved. Harry watched the girl and her mother disappear as the train rounded the corner. House is flashed past the window. Harry felt a great leap of excitement. He didn't know what he was going to do, but it had better but it had to be better than what he was leaving behind. The door of the compartment slid open, and the youngest redhead boy came in. Is anyone sitting here? he asked, pointed to the seat opposite to Harry. Everywhere else is full. Harry shook his head, and the boy sat down. He glanced at Harry and looked quickly out of the window, pretending he hadn't looked. Harry saw he still had a black mark on his nose. Hey Ron, the twins were back. Listen, we're going down the middle of the train. Lee Jordan's got a giant tarantula down there. Right, mumbled Ron. Harry, said the other twin. Did we introduce ourselves? Fred and George Weasley. And this is our round. Our brother. See you later then. Bye, said Harry and Ron. The t- twins slid down the compartment door, slid behind them. Are you really Harry Potter? Ron blurted out. Harry nodded. Oh, well, I thought it might be one of Fred and George's jokes, he said. And you've really got, you know, he pointed at Harry's forehead. Harry pulled back his bangs to show the lightning scar. Ron stared. So that's where you know who... Yes, said Harry, but I can't remember it. Nothing, said Ron eagerly. Well, I remember lots of green light, but nothing else. Wow, said Ron. He sat and stared at Harry for a few moments and then, as though he had suddenly realized what he was doing, he looked quickly out of the window again. Are all your family wizards? asked Harry, who found Ron just as interesting as Ron found him. Er, yes, I think so, said Ron. I think mum's got a second cousin who's an accountant, but we never talk about him, so you must know lots of magic already. The Weasleys were clearly one of those old wizarding families the pale boy in Diagon Alley had talked about. I heard when you-I heard you went to live with Muggles, said Ron. What are they like? Horrible. Well, not all of them. My aunt, uncle, and cousin are, though I wish I had three wizard brothers. Five, said Ron. For some reason, he was looking gloomy. I'm the sixth in our family to go to Hogwarts. You could say I've I've got lots to live up to. Bill and Charlie have already left. Bill was head boy. Charlie was the captain of Quidditch. Now Percy's a perfect. Fred and George messed around a lot, but they still get really good marks. And everyone thinks they're really funny. Everyone Everyone expects me to do as well as the others. But if I do, it's no big deal. Because they did it first. You get nothing new either. With five brothers, I've got Bill's old robes and Charlie's old round, and Percy's old rat. Ron reached inside his jacket and pulled out a fat gray rat which was asleep. His name is Scabbers, and he's useless. He hardly wakes up. Percy's Percy's got an owl from Dad for making for being per, for being made perfect, but they couldn't have. I mean. I got scabbers instead. Ron's ears went pink. He seemed to think he had said too much, because he went back to staring out of the window. Ron Harry didn't think there was anything wrong with not being able to afford an owl. After all, he never had any money in his life until a month ago. He He told Ron so about all about having to wear Dudley's old clothes and never getting proper birthday presents. This seemed to cheer Ron a bit up, and until Hagrid told me, I didn't know anything about being a wizard about my parents or Voldemort, Ron gasped. What? said Harry. You said Voldemort, I mean, you said you know whose name, said Ron, sounding both shocked and impressed. I'd have thought you of all people. I'm not trying to be brave or anything, saying the name, said Harry. I just never knew you shouldn't. See what I mean? I've got loads to learn. I bet, he added, voicing for the first time something he had been worrying about a lot lately. I bet I'm in the worst in the class. You won't be. There are loads of people who come from muggle families, and they learn quick enough. While they had been talking, the train had carried them out of London. Now they were speeding past fields full of cows and sheep. They were quiet for a time, watching fields and lanes flick past. Around half past twelve, there was a great clattering outside the corridor, and a a smiling, dimpled woman slid their back door and said, Anything off the cart, dears? Harry, who hadn't had anything for breakfast, leapt to his feet. But Ron's ears went pink again and he muttered that he had brought sandwiches. Harry went out onto the corridor. He had never had any money for candy with the Dursleys, and now that he had pockets rattling with gold and silver, he was ready to buy as many Mars bars as he could carry. But the woman didn't have Mars bars. What she did have were birdie butts, every flavor beans, jubels, best blowing gum, chocolate, frogs. Pumpkin pasties, cauldron cakes, licorice swans, and a number of other strange things Harry had never seen in his life. Not wanting to miss anything, he got some of everything and paid the woman eleven silver sickles and seven bronze nuts. Ron stared as Harry brought it all back into the compartment and tipped it onto an empty seat. Hungry, are you? Starving, said Harry. Taking a large bite out of a pumpkin pasty, Ron had taken out a lumpy package and unwrapped it. There were four sandwiches inside. He pulled one of them apart and says, she always forget i she always forgets I don't like corned beef. Swap you one for these said Harry, holding up a pasty. Go on, you don't want this, it's all dry, said Ron. She has not got much time. He added quickly you know, with five of us. Go on, have a pasty, said Harry, who had never had anything to share before, or indeed anyone to share it with. It was such a nice feeling. Sitting there was wrong. Eating their way through all Harry's pasties, cakes, and candies. The sandwiches lay forgotten. What are these? Harry asked Ron, holding up a pack of chocolate frogs. They're not really frogs, are they? He was starting to feel that nothing would surprise him. No, said Ron, but see what the card is. I'm missing Agrippa. What? Oh, of course, you wouldn't know. Chocolate frogs have cards inside them, you know, to collect. Famous witches and wizards. I've got about five hundred, but I haven't got Agrippa or Plo or Ptolemy. Harry unwrapped his chocolate frog and picked up a card. It showed a man's face. He wore half-moon glasses and a long crooked nose and flowing silver hair, beard, and a mustache. Underneath the picture was the name Albus Dumbledore. So this is Dumbledore, said Harry. Don't tell me you've never heard of Dumbledore, said Ron. Can I have a frog? I might get Agrippa. Thanks. He turned. Harry turned over his card and read, Albus Dumbledore. Currently headmaster of Hogwarts, considered by many the greatest wizard of modern times, Dumbledore is particularly famous for his defeat of the dark wizard Grindelwald in 1945 for the discovery of the twelve uses of dragon World blood and his uses and his work on alchemy with his partner, Nicholas Flamel. Professor Dumbledore enjoys chamber magic and music and ten-pen balling. Harry turned the card back over and saw, to his astonishment, that Dumbledore's face had disappeared. He's gone. Well, you can't expect him to hang around all day, said Ron. He'll be back. No, I've got Morgana again. I've got about six of her. Do you want it? You can start collecting. Ron's eyes strayed to a pile of chocolate frogs, waiting to be unwrapped. Help yourself, said Harry. But in, you know, the Muggle world, People just stay put in photos. Do they? They don't move at all. Ron sounded amazed. Weird. Harry stared at Dumbledore, settled back into the picture of his card, and gave him a small smile. Ron was a much Ron was much more interested in eating the frogs than looking at the famous witches and wizards cards, but Harry couldn't keep his eyes off his eyes off them. Soon, he had not only Dumbledore and Morgana, but Hengist of Woodcroft, Alberic Grenion, Cerse, Parsilius, and Merlin. He finally tore his eyes away from Druidess Clydona, who was scratching her nose to open a bag of Bertie butts, Every flavor, flavor Beans. You want to be careful with those, Ron warned Harry, when they say Every Flavor, they mean Every flavor. You know, you'll get all the ordinary ones like chocolate, peppermint, and marmalade, but you can get spinach, and liver, and tripe. George he had one booger-flavored ones. Ron picked up a green bean, looked at it carefully, and bit into a corner. Blur, See? Sprouts! They had a good time eating every-flavored beans. Harry got toast, coconut, baked beans, strawberry, curry grass, coffee, star sardine, and was even brave enough to nibble the end of a funny grey one Ron wouldn't touch, which turned out to be pepper. The countryside now was flying past the window, was beginning with becoming wilder. The neat fields had gone. Now there were woods, twisting rivers, and dark green hills. There was a knock on the door of the compartment. The round faced and the round faced boy Harry had passed on platform nine and three quarters came in. He looked tearful. Sorry, he said, but you have you seen a toad at all? When they shook their heads, he wailed, I've lost him. He keeps getting away from him. He'll turn up, said Harry. Yes, said the boy miserably. Well, if you see him he left don't know why he's so bothered, said Ron. If I'd brought a real toad, I'd lose it as quick as I could. Mind you, I brought scabbers so I can't talk. The rat was still snoozing on Ron's lap. He might have died and you wouldn't know the difference, said Ron, in disgust. I tried to turn him yellow yesterday to make him more interesting, but the spell didn't work. I'll show you. Look. He rummaged around his trunk. And pulled out a very battered-looking wand. It was chipped on the corners, and something white was glinting at the end. The unicorn hair is nearly poking out. Anyway, he had just raised his wand when the compartment door slid open, and again the toadless boy was back. But this time he had a girl with him. She was already wearing her new Hogwarts robes. Has anyone seen a toad? Neville's lost one, she said. She had a bossy sort of voice, lots of bushy brown hair, and rather large front teeth. I've- We've already told him we haven't seen it, said Ron, but the girl wasn't listening. She was looking at the wand in his hand. Oh, are you doing magic? Let us see them. She sat down. Ron looked rather taken aback. Uh, all right, he cleared his throat. Shun's. Sunshine Daisy's butter mellow turned this stupid fat rat yellow. He waved his wand, but nothing happened. Scabbard stayed gray and fast asleep. Are you sure that's a real spell? Said the girl. Well, it's not very good, is it? I've tried a few simple spells just for practice. And it's all worked for me. Nobody in my family's magic at all. And if there was ever such a surprise when I got my letter, but I was ever so pleased, of course. I mean, it is the very best school of witchcraft there is, I've heard. I've learned all of it in our course books, by heart. Of course, just hope it will be enough. I'm Hermione Granger, by the way. Who are you? She said all this very fast. Harry looked at Ron and was relieved to see by his stunned face that he hadn't learned all the Horse books by heart, either. I'm Ron Weasley, Ron muttered. Harry Potter, said Harry. Are you really? said Hermione. I know all about you, of course. I've got a few extra books for background reading. You're in modern magical history, in the rise and fall of dark arts, the great visiting events of the 20th century, too. Am I? said Harry, feeling dazed. Goodness, didn't you know? I'd have found out everything if I... I could if it was me, said Hermione, Do so either of you know what house you'll be in. I've been asking round. I hope I'm in Gryffindor. It sounds by far the best. I hear Dumbledore himself was in it, but I suppose Ravenclaw wouldn't be too bad. Anyway, we'd better go and look for a level's Toad. You two had better change, you know. I expect we'll be there soon. She changed. She left taking the toadless boy with her. Whatever house I'm in, I hope she's not in it, said Ron. He threw his wand back into his trunk. Stupid spell. George gave it to me. I bet he knew it was a duck. What house, what house are your brothers in? Asked Harry. Gryffindor, said Ron. Gloom seemed to be settling on him again. Mum and Dad were in it, too. I don't know what they... I don't know what they'll say if I'm not. I don't suppose Ravenclaw would be bad, but I imagine if they put me in Slytherin. That's the house Walt, I mean, you know who was in, said Harry. Yeah, said Ron. He flopped back onto his seat, looking depressed. You know, I think the ends of Scabbers' whiskers are a bit lighter, said Harry, trying to take Ron's mind off houses. So what do your older brothers do now that they've left anyway? Harry was wondering what a wizard did once he finished school. Charlie's in Romania studying dragons and Bill's in Africa. Something for Gringotts, something like that, said Ron. Oh, did you hear about Gringotts? It's been all over the Daily Prophet, but I don't suppose you get that with Muggles. Someone tried to rob re- off a high-security vault. Harry stared. Really? What happened to them? (laughs) Nothing. And that's why it's just so big news. They haven't been caught. My dad says it must have been a powerful dark wizard to get round Gringotts. But they don't think they took anything. And that's what's odd. Of course, everyone gets scared when something like this happens. In case you know who's behind it. Harry turned this news over in his mind. He was starting to get a prickle of fear every time you-know-who was mentioned. He supposed this was all part of entering the magical world, but it had been a lot comfortable saying Voldemort without worrying. What's your quidditch dream? Ron asked. Er, I don't know any. Harry confessed. What? Ron looked dumbfounded. Oh, you fate! it's the best game in the world. And he was off, explaining all about four balls with positions of seven players, describing famous games he'd been to with his family and brothers, and the broomsticks he'd like to be if he he had the money. He was just taking Harry to the finer points of the game, and the compartment door slid open yet again. But it wasn't Neville, the toadless boy, or Hermione Granger this time. Three boys entered, and Harry recognized the middle one at once. It was the pale boy from Madame Malkin's robe shop. He was looking at Harry with a lot of interest, Then he'd shown back at Diagon Alley. Is it true, he said. They say, they're all saying that your down in here is Harry Potter in this compartment. So it is you, is it? Yes, said Harry. He was looking down at the other boys. Both of them were six and looked extremely mean. Standing on either side of the pale boy, they looked like bodyguards. Oh, this is Crabbe and Goyle, said the the pale boy carelessly, noticing where Harry was looking. And my name is Malfoy, Draco Malfoy. Ron gave a slight cough, which might have been hiding a snigger. Draco Malfoy looked at him. I think my name's funny. Do you? I... No need to ask who you are. My father told me all the beavers have red hair, freckles, and more children than they can afford. He turned back to Harry. You'll soon find out more about visiting families. They're much better than others, Potter. You don't want to go making friends with the wrong sort. I can help you. He held out his hand to shake Harry, but Harry didn't take it. I think I can tell who are wrong sorts for myself. Thank you, he said coolly. Mouthboy didn't go red, but a pink tints appeared in his pale cheeks. I'd be careful if I were you, Potter, he said slowly. Unless you're a bit quieter, you'll go the same way as your parents. They didn't know what was good for them either. And hang around riff-raff like these leaves in the Hagrid? it will rub off on you. Both so Harry and Ron stood up. Say that again, Ron said, his face as red as his hair. Oh, you're going to fight us, are you? Malfoy sneered. Unless you get out now, said Harry, more bravely than he had felt, because Crab and Goyle were a lot bigger than him or Ron. But we don't feel like grieving, do we, boys? We've eaten all our food, and we still seem to have them. Goyle reached down toward couple chocolate frogs next to Ron. Ron leapt forward, but, but before he had so much Hot squirrel, Gore let out a horrible yell. Scabbers. The rat was hanging off his finger. Shut little teeth sunk deep into Gold's knuckle. Crab and Malfoy backed away as gold swung Scabbers round and round, howling. And when Scabbers finally flew off and hit the window, all three of them disappeared at once. Perhaps they thought there were more rats lurking among the streets. Or perhaps they heard their footsteps because, a second later, Hermione Granger had come in. What has been going on? He said, looking at the sweets all over the floor. And Ron picking up Scabbers by his tail. I think he's been knocked out, Ron said to Harry. He looked closer at Scabbers. No, I don't believe it. He's gone back to sleep. And so he had you met Malfoy before? Harry explained their meeting in Diagon Alley. I've heard of his family, said Ron briefly. They were some of the first to come back to our side after you know who disappeared. Said they'd been bewitched. My dad doesn't believe it. He says Malfoy's father didn't need his excuse to go into the dark side. He turned to Hermione. "Can we help you with something? You'd better hurry up and put your robes on." I've just been up to front and to ask the conductor. He says we're nearly there. You haven't been fighting, have you? she so will be in trouble even before we get there. Travers will be fighting, not us, said Ron, growling at her. Would you mind leaving while we trains? All right. I only came here because people outside are behaving very childishly, running up and down the corridors," said Hermione in a sniffy voice. And you've got a dirt on your nose, by the way. Did you know? Ron glared at her as she left. Harry peered out the window. It was getting dark. He could see mountains and forests deep under a deep purple sky. The train did seem to be slowing down. He and Ron took out their jackets and pulled on their long black robes. Ron's were a bit short for him. He could see his sneakers beneath them. A voice echoed through the rain. Through the train, <laughs> we'll be re- we'll be reaching Hogwarts in five minutes' time. Please leave your luggage on the train; it will be taken to the school separately. Harry's stomach lurched with the ne- with nerves, and Ron, he saw, looked pale under his freckles. They crammed their pockets with last the last of the sweets and joined the crowd, thronging the corridor. The train slowed right down and finally stopped. People pushed their way through the door and out onto a tiny dark platform. Harry shivered in the cold night air. And then a lamp came bobbing to the first of the heads of the students. And Harry heard a familiar voice. First years, first years over here. Alright, there, Harry. Harry's big Hagrid's big hairy face beamed over the sea of heads. Come on, follow me. Anyone first years? Mind your step now. First years, follow me. Looking and stumbling, they followed Hagrid down what seemed to be a steep, narrow passage. It was so dark on either side of them that Harry thought there must be thick trees there. Nobody spoke much. Neville, the boy who kept losing his toad, snipped once or twice. You'll get your first sight of Hogwarts in a sec," said Hagrid, hauled over his shoulder. Just round the bend there, there was a loud ooh. The narrow passageway had suddenly opened into the edge of a great black lake, perched atop, atop high mountains on either side, its windows sparkling in the starry sky was a vast castle with many turrets and towers. No more than four on a boat, Harry called. Hagrid called, pointing to a fleet of little boats sitting in the water by the shore. Hagrid and Harry, Ron and Harry and Ron were followed into their boat by Neville and Hermione. Everyone in! Shouted Hagrid, who had a boat to himself. Right then, forward! And the fleet of little boats moved off all at once, gliding through the lake, which was as smooth as glass. Everyone was silent, staring up at the great castle overhead. It towered over them as they sailed nearer and nearer to the cliff of which it stood. Heads down, yelled Hagrid. As the first boats reached the cliff, they all bent their heads, and the little boats carried them through currents of tide. Hid a wide opening in the cliff face. They were carried along a dark tunnel, which seemed to be taking them right underneath the castle until they reached a kind of underground harbor, where they clambered out onto the rocks and pebbles. Are you there? Is this your toad? said Hagrid, who was checking the boats as people climbed out of them. Trevor! cried Neville blissfully, holding out his hands. Then they clambered up the passageway in the rock after Hagrid's lamp, coming out at last onto smooth, damp grass right in the shadow of the castle. They walked up a flight of stone steps crowded with a huge oak front door. Everyone here! You still there? You got your toad? Hagrid raised his giant fist and knocked three times on the castle door.